Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. We are here. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are here to talk about every single comic book that is in our massive stack that came out this week. Alex, who's usually in charge of saying names, numbers, and titles, isn't here. So that means you're going to listen to the smoky tones of your guy, JT, uh, dropping them on you. Uh, You ready to get into this, Pete? Yes, please. Yes, please. Let's kick it off with a comic that has got to get you in the feels in some department, Pete. Uh, Punisher number one from Marvel Comics, written by David P. Pose, art by Dave Wachter. Pete, how do you feel? There's a whole new man in the skull shirt. Yeah, it's an exciting time. Uh, you know, new Punisher is very exciting. Um I got to say, we got to see a little bit of a sneak peek of this when we were at uh, uh, Comic-Con. Um, That's right, because you talked to David, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're uh, in Baltimore, the Baltimore Comic-Con. Yeah. And you can and... check out that interview in uh, our feed if you want to hear a little bit more behind the scenes of And he gave us a, a little sneak peek, but it was black and white. So this was mm. uh, a big kind of shock. To see it, um, a shock. You were shocked in color. You know what I mean? Uh, but because did, how did you like it? Do you like? Well, I mean, here's the thing. There's like glowing stuff on his on his uh, chest plates, and uh, you know, uh, images that I was like, what What is that on his shoulder, and and that kind of stuff? But let's. So wait. So that bothers you because it's too flashy. It's too like. It's like well, uh, I, at the club. It's a, it's, a, it's an interesting kind of thing, you know what I mean? So it's a little like distracting at first because you're kind of like, you know, as a Punisher friend, you're like, what is this? You know, this is is the skull nose a plug to charge his cell phone? Like, what's going on? Well, like, I do, I do think there's a line in here where he's like, ah, oh, these plates glow. Like he's yeah. mad about it, it, yeah. his armor glowing, and I thought that was interesting that he is he's sort of a well to give my overall take like. This Punisher is much less, uh, he's sort of an unwilling Punisher. He's someone who's like, I'm here to do my job. If you think want to call me the Punisher, I don't care. Like, yeah. he's not as into the angst, the, like, I'm tortured here. He's like, this happened to me, and I'm going to methodically get revenge. And, and So let me ask you, good. if you, you know, if you're going about your, your, your day, right, and then mm-hmm. your family gets killed, similar to how the Punisher's family gets killed. Okay, big statement to say. Boom, it it yes. seems like you then have to take up the Punisher mantle. You know what I mean? Because that's what happened to this guy. He was like, oh, man, I don't want to be the Punisher, but my family was murdered by a bunch of hitmen and goons, so now I got to do it. Uh, you know, so I guess that's just kind of what happens if you live in the Marvel Universe. 
Uh, it's inevitable that you're end up you're gonna end up punishing. Well, someone. I'm not saying it's inevitable. I'm just saying if it happens to you, it's like okay, well, you get a Punisher shirt in the mail, and it's like all right, you got to do what you got to do now. Uh, in the mail, <laughs> mail. I mean, that's a fucked up thing if you're mailing out Punisher shirts to people. Yeah. Uh, what a big big letter drop. The um the thing I would say here is like. The, I don't want to spoil sort of the backstory here, but this this person, uh, our guy whose name is Garrison, Joe Garrison, yeah. I want to say, is a little bit more, a little ahead of the Frank Castle game. Uh, he has more more training, more resources. He's jumping in almost. No, I don't know about more training. I mean, Frank is uh, a Marine. You know what I mean? Like well, but was... and, and I think he, he had military training, but this guy is like a one-man operation out of the gate. You know, we don't have the the same like him just like picking up a gun and just g- kicking a door open and shooting people. He has resources, and that I'm not. That's not a criticism. That's just like the choice. And what I like about it from a writing perspective is it lets us sort of continue as a Punisher fan continue to just pick up where it left off. And maybe I have a feeling we'll maybe get some more backstory on Joe. Mm-hmm. I would really like that because I want to know more about him uh, as opposed to right now he is just like a Punisher being a badass. I love the villain choice that we get in here. and It's a fun surprise reveal. I would like to see this Punisher be more in the Marvel Universe rather than in his own sort of just like shooting people place. Yeah, I mean, I I I enjoyed this. I loved all the action. I love how it starts. Interesting kind of, you know... Uh, with the tech, it's a more kind of like tech focused where he has this cool gun. What's the rail gun, you know? Yeah. Lasers, but it's also bullets, which is a little weird. But um, just has the same badass Punisher level. I mean, uh, that shot he pulls off in between the trains was fucking pretty badass. That, that was definitely great. felt like the Punisher to me. Um yeah, and uh, you know, Punisher's not working alone here. Has a friend who does machines, so that's always nice. You know, a Donatello, if you will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I I like this. I wasn't mad at it at all. I think, um, you know, uh, yeah. Um, more, Marvel, more you got Punisher. a pull clo- quote from Pete LePage. I wasn't mad at it. Put it on your book. Let's move on and talk about Batman number 139 from DC Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Jorge Jimenez and Jorge Corona. Uh, this issue has Batman just out there. Uh, we're f- following up on, I guess, the um, the Catwoman uh, gang crossover and taking some of that stuff forward. Um, Pete, how did you feel about this Batman issue? I, I really like this. I... Um... I felt like it was a cool kind of like setup of like the title and everything. Um, uh, I feel like uh, there's nothing better than a really good Joker Batman story. And I feel like uh, Sidarsky is really kind of setting up a really interesting one. This is just a great start. I love the art style. Um, you know, Batman kind of picking up Joker breadcrumbs and kind of following things, getting to the one-on-one battle. Uh, also, the backup is cool with Vandal Savage, and I love the art style on that. So, yeah, I feel like this is a great Batman book. Uh, the name of this arc is Mind Bomb. This is part one. And in this, we see the um, Batman of Zoranar, which has become this sort of looming threat 
maybe the villain of this arc because uh, we have in the uh, Batman fully rogue, no bat family at all, not seeming psychologically in a good place, even worse than maybe normal Batman situation. And he's going to take down the Joker. And honestly, when Batman confronts the Joker, I'm like, Oh, this is like two Jokers fighting each other. Something we'll talk about later in the stack, but Ooh, th- yeah. These guys, this Batman is a broken Batman, and he's fighting uh, the the broken Joker. A broken Joker, yeah. So, like, that's Maybe something they I can guess make I them whole. Maybe they're two parts of a heart. That when you you know, oh, that's beautiful. And one says best, and one says friends. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, remind me. I need to send you the other half of the heart that I got. <laughs> I've been waiting by the mailbox for a long time, buddy. Yeah, I know it's coming. It's coming, brother. But. This, this, I haven't seen a story where I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm, I guess, rooting for Batman here. But like, I'm like, these are just two people fighting. Like, there's not like a huge, no, not there's not a right person per se here. Well, no? I mean, I don't know about that. Historically, I would, I would go with Batman. I mean, he's so he's so busted. Aren't we all busted? Wow. Uh, really something to think about, Pete. Uh, did you, do you like this? Did you like this? I can't tell. Yes. Yeah, I did. I did like it. Great. Well, I don't know why you got suddenly shy. Maybe I shouldn't have said the best friends thing. Um, <laughs> let's move on and talk about Zawa and the Belly of the Beast number one yes. from Boom Studios by Michael uh, Dial- Dialanis. Uh Pete, you love this book, it sounds yes. like. I, I think it's worth it for the super type bananas art alone. I mean, damn, this is some great art. I say damn. Um, <laughs> okay. I love this uh, first ish. I, I really think it sets things up uh, in a cool way. I'm very excited for more. But, man, artistically, this is what I'm talking about. Like, um, Boom Studios, just, it, 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 just so beautiful. The character designs, the world, they kind of suck you into this kind of magical place. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm having a blast with it. Um, I agree. This was a really fun read. Like, I don't fully understand. It's like a really interesting world. I don't fully understand what's happening yet. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not bothered by that because Agreed. the art is really cool. The The world is interesting. It has this sort of food preparation fantasy mm-hmm. element to it. Uh, and <clears throat> it's like a... Uh, it's hard to describe, I guess. It's like sort of a, a dystopian world, but it feel, it's not like Earth. It feels like it's this mountain sort of standalone thing. But I and, also... Okay. okay. I was just going to say, I also love how like you're getting this kind of like monster type character, but as soon as they are near like food, uh, you see the human side of them. And it's like... Such a, a lot like you, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. Uh, just give, give Pete a Pete snack if you want Pete to be Pete. Agreed. Otherwise, you just got the beast, and you yeah. don't want a podcast with the beast. That's I know true. that for a fact. <laughs> uh, Charred remains number one. Well, you can't. No, you can't say just because Alice is in here. You can't, you can't just jump in oh, forward. Okay. Sorry, uh, why you've decided? Because here's the thing: we have to set this up. This comic isn't coming out till December thirteenth. Yes. Yeah, so this is like it. something don't to think about for the future. But, of course, we're talking about Charred Remains, number one, from Mad Cave Studios, written by Anthony Cleveland, art by Andrea Muti. Uh, this comic uh, really dealing with fire as, a, as an element, as a main yeah, character. A lot of fire in today's stack. A lot of fire in the stack. It's a hot stack. It's a, it's a hot, hot stack. stack. Uh, 
Uh, Pete, what did you think of Charred Remains? I think this is a really great comic. Um, I I just think that like the it's what's great about it is, and I'm trying not to spoil it, so excuse my. Story. Please don't. But it's like this: you think it's about one thing, and then there's this turn, and like I got scared. Uh, like I was like, oh shit! Just like the person in the comic. There was such a cool review or reveal, and they did it so well with the art. I was just really, uh, really impressed by this. Really you were scared. Scary. It's awesome. It's intense. The art is just so colorful. Jumps off the page. Really impressive. Yeah, I, I love this book. Yeah, the Andrea Muti art has a, does a great job of being sort of expressive for the characters, but also have this. It really matches the book. The book uh, being about like someone who survives a fire, Don't sees spoil. something. Don't spoil, uh, it's a light light spoil. Something who survives a fire, sees something in the fire, and then spends the their life uh, probably tr- tracking that down. So the book has a little bit of like. The, the colors and the sort of uh, watercolor and sketchy feel to it feels like a relic from a fire in a way. And I think that but really. But it's also like beautiful. At the yeah, same no, it's, time. that's and not a negative. It, it's, and, yeah, it's really unbelievable. It's really nice. And the story, like I really got into the story. Like it is very cool. I want to know. It's a mystery that I don't quite understand. A lot of books, it's like, I see. We just need to figure out who this one th- person is and that's the mystery this one could go in a lot of different directions it's really exciting definitely something to check out just in time for the holidays so please do uh let's move on to something that is full of question marks and um and vampire teeth what if dark the tomb of dracula number one from marvel comics written by marv wolfman art by david cutler in this we get a what if story where i was like What's the transition point here into the stuff that didn't happen in main continuity? But it's what if... I definitely had a lot of questions about that. Yeah. It's what if Dracula let this one, made a different choice at one point, and uh, ended up letting this guy go, sort of creating Blade in a different time period, I want to say? See, that's my... My question was, is this what if Blade got bit by Dracula? Uh... Yeah, I mean, I think technically it is that. But the the fateful moment when we get the 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 twit the turn, I guess here here's what it is. What if the legendary Dracula transformed Blade the Daywalker into a full-fledged vampire? Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. All right, here's the here's the problem. Okay, the emotional roller coaster I went on with this is Oh my God, I hate what ifs. And then I was like, Marv Wolfman? Oh, I'm going to read this. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I was like, kind of confused a little bit of like, well, this is kind of like Dracula's story. And this is also kind of like Blade's story. But where's the twist here? And I was a little bit like, are these two just worlds colliding and what's going on here? Uh, but uh, now that you said that, it makes a lot more sense. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, like, I think this has, like, you can feel the Marv Wolfman of this in a big way. This has, like, some classic Marvel, you know, uh, storytelling here, sort of, like, late Silver Age into, like, modern comics. Feels like the tone here and the David Cutler art reflects that in a really nice way. Yeah. it This, to me, feels like something that I'm like, oh, is this... 
setting up Blade in a way, or it, or maybe it was meant to be like it was originally written to be around like a Blade movie that has been delayed a, a fair bit because um, it, it sort of comes at you out of nowhere. But I will say I, I, I did like the story. I like seeing Blade being more like the Blade from the original movie, which I feel yeah. like we get here um, in a good way. So uh, so I was on board with it for sure. Yeah. Also, it's got great art. Great art. Great classic art. Let's move on to another book with some fantastic art. Birds of Prey number three from DC Comics. Written by Kelly Thompson. Art by Leonardo Romero. In this book, the Birds of Prey crew is operating a little bit on the fringes of the DC universe. And they're taking the fight to Themyscira to rescue or slash save Sin. um, Led by Black Canary. Uh, Pete, how did you feel? I about this? I love this. Kelly Thompson is an amazing writer, big fan. I just felt like this was such an awesome issue. Uh, first off, cool ass cover. All right, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, this is just an awesome issue. I love the art, love all the action, fun times, great comics. This is just uh, I love this idea of kind of breaking into the Amazon island here of the of the mascara and. Uh, kind of running a, a mission, but not trying to hurt people. Uh, and the kind of green arrow trying to stall was a cute thing. Cause he's like, I'm so sorry. Wonder Woman, please don't hurt me. <laughs> it was just a, it was, I had a blast. I had such a blast reading this. This was such a cool uh, breath of fresh air in the stack. And I, I just felt like the Kelly Thompson absolutely murdered this. This was such a mix of a great time and kind of a cool setup where you're not like upset by the choices they're making. Cause they have to kind of pull some stuff against some friends, but they're doing it for a greater good. So it kind of works. Yeah. I just felt like I loved all the layers. I love everything that was happening. Got, they really nailed the character moments in this and, uh, yeah, it felt it felt like such a cool comic. The Leonardo Romero art is so good. Like it feels like a newsprint comic strip just elevated to being like a full action comic uh yeah. story and it's it's really great. It really makes the book stand out so much. But as not to shortchange Kelly Thompson, just excellent characters. You can really feel the difference between all the different members of the Birds of Prey team here. Yeah. Uh, And it's great. I love what they're all doing. I love there's a bit of a heist here run by people who are um, not good at it. Uh, Great Harley Quinn moments in here. And honestly, sneaky, sneakily, one of the best Green Arrow fights I've seen in ages. Uh, Green Arrow versus Wonder Woman in the back half of this book was awesome. So cool. Definitely one of my picks of the week. Definitely worth checking out. Um, But let's move on to a. Pick of the, pick one of, of the, the picks week. of the week. But let's move on to another of my picks of the week in yeah, Transformers number back. two. Picks of the week. Back to back. That's the way we do it. Transformers number two um, from Image Comics, uh, written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. He's got three names because he's doing the work of two different people. It's fantastic. <coughs> I talked about this. WJ. All he does is kill it. He kills it. We had a great interview with him uh, a couple, like a month ago, which is worth checking out because he is, he's one of those interviews where you tear up talking to him because he's just such an earnest, over the plate guy who is so good at what he does. Emotional comic book storytelling with excellent art to back it up. And in this, we get a story that really makes Optimus Prime. What I, what I love about this book so far is he makes the Transformers just like, 
out of place in a way. And you see the Decepticons are just like, oh, let's let's ruin this place. And they're too big. They're too good at smushing humans and wrecking shit. And then on the other side, you have Optimus Prime and his crew, and they are trying desperately not to smash things and smoosh things in a way that I'm like, I've never, I would have never expected to have the Transformers shown in this way. It's so well done. Optimus Prime Prime is such a great, just a well done character. You really like him in this book. Uh, the art is fantastic. And I said this on the live show, but the injection of the G.I. Joe characters into Transformers, I was like, I don't know how this works. I'm worried this is going to feel a little bit like smashing when you have to play with like your neighbor when you're a kid and like they bring their toys over and it's like, um, uh, I'm sorry, but those popples aren't going to jive with my uh, Marvel superheroes, Secret Wars action figures. But it really does like there's a little moment in here that I won't spoil what it is, but there's a moment in here that is cool. I, I liked it and I, I hope it's more like this. And this story, I truly don't know where it's going. Because it's hard to know. It seems very bad, is all I'm going to say. Well, what's interesting is we've seen a lot of Transformers stories. And this does feel like Transformers right from the animated movie, right from the kind of animated TV show back in the day. So I yeah. love the voice of what Daniel Warren Johnson is channeling. and it comes The voice of Optimus so, Prime, you mean? Um, well, no, just Orson the kind Wells. of voice of the story. Uh, thank you with the Orson Welles reference, uh, Unicron, nice shot out there, yeah. But I'm talking about like the voice of the kind of story, the voice of what they're trying to say, and it kind of really feels like those 80s, 90s um, uh, a TV show slash uh, movie, uh, animated movie. But I, I just was like, this is so awesome. Like the way it starts, Optimus Prime feeling like the super dad who it like mm. is like, hey, listen, we crash on your planet. We're bringing all this bullshit to you guys. We're fucking big metal monsters who aren't used to such a fragile, squishy world. I love that start, right? You know, so like uh, very, very cool, very interesting. I mean, the art is just unbelievable transforming bananas. And uh, I, I just, I feel like it's a little darker than the movie or the TV show, but I'm into it and I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I'm worried about what's going to happen because it seems like, are the good guys are a little slower than the bad guys. Like the bad guys are already collecting energon cubes and the good guys are just kind of being like, how do we get energon? So I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. Um, that's a bad, they should have up. a plan. Yeah. You got to yeah, catch yeah. up. You got to find your batteries. It's also funny. They're toys in real life. And they're like, how do we get our batteries? They're like, that's what my toys have been saying for years. Oh, wow. Well, you shouldn't talk to your toys, man. No, the toys are talking to me. Um, oh, it also feels like Optimus Prime. Oh, you think so? Optimus yeah. Prime seems to have like a father figure. Uh, you have like a father figure relationship with him. Uh, like you're, you're it'd be cool about. if your dad was a truck. Yeah, who's who wouldn't think that was cool? You know what I mean? Not, don't feel weird. That's fine to say that. It's fine to admit that. Right, you wish your dad was a truck. A giant trucking talking truck that was a great leader and always knew what to say in a comforting way. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I we should say though you should tell people that your dad transforms into a golf cart. So, like, you just wish he was, like, a little bit bigger. A talking golf cart. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Uh, let's move on and talk about more about Pete's dad. Uh, and, but first, let's talk about God's number two from Marvel Comics, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Valerio uh, Valerio Shiti. Uh, what do you think about this, Pete? This is getting deeper into this God's world, something that when Jonathan Hickman teased it and all the promotion pages and all that that came out about this, I thought this was going to be some like – galaxy spanning story about celestials or some kind of thing like that instead this is very much like feels like a, a, a an image comic that has been uh, put into the marvel universe we see some doctor strange clea different characters uh, it's interesting i like what you're doing there i do think artistically it's a fucking amazeballs you know what I mean? yeah but i also love the smallness of this issue you know what i mean because we got like this really cool secret library to the world which was really yeah. awesome you know so like i i i'm i'm very interested in, in the way that it's starting and i'm excited for more but i'm also a little worried because i know it's hickman and it's gonna go over my head fast so i'm just kind of enjoying the fact that right now i'm still understanding what's happening a little bit nah well, I mean, and I'm a I, sucker I, for a secret library, so you know. Yeah, uh, you love, is, uh, you hate regular libraries, but you love when they're secret. Yeah, that's true. Uh, what I th- there's a ton of, like any Hickman book. There's a ton of ideas on display here, but I was really surprised that this issue <laughs> took on sort of a grown up Harry Potter tone to it. Mm-hmm. It feels like where this uh, our this new character is sort of selected and like, hey. Welcome, you're part of this school. And we don't, the first issue was jammed with this like star-crossed lover story. Right, right. Uh, where these two like, you know, earth-controlling, universe-controlling houses, uh, one character from each side have this relationship. We don't touch on that, touch on that at all, really. At and all. we're just into this sort of uh, Harry Potter-esque uh, f- flight of this new character into this larger world. I would think this would have been the first issue, and the first issue would have been a later issue. So I don't know. I, there's a, just a lot of question marks about where this is going. Uh, but I, it is good. Like, I do like it. I, it would have been interesting if this was the first issue and then the second one was the second. Um, I definitely would have been more on board. 
Um, but I, I'm still can't say enough about how great the art is. And I'm very intrigued by the setup. It's very kind of cool and slow moving. It's not kind of like fast and like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? Like, I like how it's slowly building. Cool and slow moving, just like your golf cart dad. Uh, Pete, Pete's intrigued. Uh, can't argue with that. Let's move on to Blue Beetle number three from DC Comics, written English by Josh. edition. Yeah, we are reading the English edition, but there is a Spanish language edition, and it's I love the DCs too. In that, uh, yes. it's written by Josh Trujillo and art by Adrian Gutierrez. Uh, this getting into the scarab war that we are yeah. fighting here amongst the uh, multiple scarabs, this sort of green lanternification of the blue beetle world where we have all the different scarabs uh doing battles some good some not so good but in this in this issue we get sort of a, a little detour where our our uh jaime reyes blue beetle is off uh ted cord was wrecked last issue so he's being uh taken safely away and he's meeting up with his uh, X to go on sort of a fact-finding mission to try to learn more about the Scarabs. Pete, how did you feel about this? First off, fun cover. Loved it. Kind of looked like an old Versus video game poster, which was very cool. Loved the the vibrant colors. Uh, I think this was a really great issue. I really enjoyed it. Blue Beetle versus uh, Red Bad Guy. Uh, love it. Um, uh, love the art style. It's fast paced action forward. Uh, what's not to love? I feel like this is Blue Beetle is doing a really great job here. Um, uh, story and action in a kind of a nice combination that feels like you're getting enough info, but not kind of like dumping it on you or anything like that. So uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying, uh, kind of how this is all unfolding. I love seeing Tracy 13 in this, like a, a fun character to have here. We get Madame Xanadu. We get some cameos of uh, a lot of other of the more mystical characters from the DC universe. So that's fun. I, I sort of want to see more of that. It's a shame, though. The the part I'm less interested in is these other scarabs. Like I, I see we're, we're setting up Blood Scarab as this villain, and this villain goes hard. Like it's a – They've done a good job of setting up just how deadly this villain is, but I'd rather see more standalone like Jaime go out with Tracy and them have like a fun magical adventure and then awkwardly talk about their uh, breakup slash relationship. Well, maybe we're going to get it, buddy. You know what I mean? Well, and we get a lot of that here. That's what I'm saying. Like, I like that. Um, so, well, I guess we'll just see where uh, where this story goes. But I feel like this is the kind of book that I'm ready. I think the second arc where we settle into the characters a little bit more is maybe what I'm looking forward to. All right. But let's move patient. on. And I am so patient. Look at me. Calm. I'm so calm. I'm chill. My mice cold. I could be a an airline pilot for Delta Airlines. Oof. No? I don't know, man. Why, you don't think that's a good career path? Well, I just, uh, you know what I mean? It's uh, it's it's really hard right now. I, mean, I don't know how much you've flown recently, but it's kind of a shit show. Delta 499 looking to connect up from the tower to uh, Zoom with my podcast friends. I have to do a podcast in the middle of this transatlantic flight. So just connect me to Pete LePage and Alex Zeldin. <laughs> that would be cool. Would it, or would everybody on the plane like really complain if they had to listen to our podcast while you were flying? 
We're hitting a little turbulence, gang, and I'm in the middle of a podcast, so I'm going to sit back, relax, and talk about Nice Jewish Boys, number one, from Comixology, written by our guy, Neil Clyde, art by John Brolia. In this issue, in this comic, uh, we're setting up a world where a uh, regular guy gets drawn into a... um, uh, Potentially a life or at least one crime and perhaps more. Uh, This feels like and there's some great back pages here where Neil talks about sort of his inspiration for this book. Uh, This feels like it's rooted in a lot of um, personal uh, stuff like uh, Neil's background. You're saying that Neil actually murdered somebody. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Neil's killed. Neil has killed, and he will kill again. I hope uh, Statue of Limitations is up on him. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's out there. It's in the press. Uh, But I really like uh, this has, like, it's just a a nice crime comic set in, like, a more, like, grounded world. And I like the sort of our main character gets uh, put right in the middle where he perhaps doesn't want to be. Um, This is a great read. Pete, what did you think? Yeah, I mean... The nice Jewish boy is kind of a, a ironic title a little bit because uh, shit goes down. And, um, you know, I like the way Neil kind of unrolls the information a little bit so we know it's not as uh, hunky-dory as kind of originally set up. But I also love the fact that, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with all the kind of... Uh, uh, Jewish verbiage or or anything like that, like the words being used that uh, maybe you're not familiar with. There is a glossary in the back so that you can kind of follow along, which was great. Because sometimes when you kind of stop the action to translate, it slows it down. So I was happy that like kind of kept the pace going. And then in the back, you can kind of look up the words that maybe you didn't know. So it kind of had an old school kind of feel to it, which I really liked. I really liked the art. Great job kind of setting up this world. Um, and, uh, yeah, it seems like it's very kind of realistic and kind of uh, drawn from Neil's kind of uh, childhood or past. I'm not saying that it's true stuff, but... like No, and, and that that's what he said. Uh, yeah. In the back matter, he's saying, like, this isn't true. But a lot of the elements and details, I think, are drawn from his life in a way that makes for just a great story. The characters are well done. It gets you right in the action, then pulls you back into the, the more... Uh, slice of life stuff that you get to if you're a fan of any sort of crime comics um, across the board from your your Ed Brubaker stuff all the way down like this this book is right in that vein and definitely one that you can enjoy alongside uh, but let's jump into a book I have been loving as well the Enfield Gang Massacre number four from Image Comics written by oh, yeah. excuse me Chris Condon art by Jacob Phillips the team behind um, that Texas Blood you can tell yeah I mean you can tell uh, you tell. This book is tragic. It's uh, telling uh, the it's mostly tra- great. It's also fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, yeah. the story's tragic. The book's amazing. Okay, telling the uh, yeah. mostly true yeah. story of the Enfield Gang and how they were conspired against and massacred in the West in Texas. Uh, but this is, you know, that Texas Blood is one of my favorite books uh, of the last few years. I'm always talking it up. And what I like about this is it it 
is in that same vein, but it, the art, Jacob Phillips does a great job of taking the art and stepping out just a little bit from that Texas blood, giving it a, uh, the violence, a little bit of a different tone, a more historical feel to everything. And we're just watching this massacre unfold in different pieces. And it's a great read. It's a tough read to, if you like these characters and, it, uh, but it's just beautifully, beautifully done. I think on both a yeah. writing and artist standpoint. Yeah, I, I would like to jump in about the the beauty of it all. Um, it all right, let's turn great... it over to our beauty correspondent, Pete Thank Page. Thank you. Uh, this works. Um, no, I just think this that is the, working. Yeah, the I love the kind of it does such a great job artistically, giving you that kind of old timey western feel. Um, and it just kind of brings you into the story so well artistically. I mean, it really is worth it for the art alone. It's so awesome what they're doing. Um, uh, and the panels and the pages and everything is so vibrant and so cool and the tone of it, it really just is awesome the way it kind of sucks you in. And then you kind of get this true, tragic, awful, amazing kind of story happening and you're kind of thrown into it. So it's really great. It's fantastic. Definitely pick that up. Let's talk about uh, Thanos number one from Marvel Comics, written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Thanos. Luca Pizzari. Uh, what's that? Or it can be pronounced Thanos, uh, however you want to say it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You roll your own. That's what. Here's the thing. That's why I think Thanos is so mad because everyone keeps saying his name and it's pronouncing his name. Yeah, uh, I know. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, or maybe you're doing it. Uh, no, it's way. Thanos, like anus. Thanos. Nope. No. Thanos. Well, Thanos, like anus. Are, that's again. That's why he's so mad. Uh, if you want to piss off a mad god, you go right ahead. But I'm that's the thing. He's so mad. Yeah. Anyways, Thanos steals all of Fresno, which is a dick move. You know what I mean? Like, uh, though I will say, if you're going to steal one city, let's make it. Fresno. Oh, come on, dude! Well, you got no love for it. the Fresno. What's your favorite thing about Fresno? Uh, probably just the sunsets. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a gotcha. great answer. I'm going to count that. You got me. You got me on that one. That's not what I... That was sort of a trap question, and you nailed it. You got me on that one. You got me good. Uh, Yeah. I mean, this is a really cool art style. Uh... I, I, the, also the ship is a little weird. It kind of looks like three VCRs, which was kind of a, kind uh, of a weird, uh, a lot of our big, like, um, space shuttle designers are going with a three VCR design. <laughs> yeah. Well, it shows. It yeah. really does. Cause no, it's the future. Flies, three VCRs. Some people together. were scared. I was like, why are you scared? Uh, you know, that was just like the eighties. You know what I mean? There's nothing to be scared of. Well, and, you know, we have a lot of lying around is VCRs. Yeah. It's a great way to use them. Smash yeah. them together. Make a Actually, make a yeah, ship. You can fly fly over the world. You know what I mean. Uh, but yeah, I I'm not sure what's going on in this uh, first issue here. It's just a lot of crazy shit, and uh, you know, it just seems like a little bit of a weird thing to uh, pull a whole town out of the out of the ground and out of the earth uh, for one person. You know what I mean? Seems yeah. like maybe you could adjust that VCR thing a little bit better and. Uh, uh, maybe kind of, uh, you know, just pull a couple of people. But whatever. Hey, hmm. sometimes you got to get a town to get to that. Sometimes you got to go big. Take all yeah. of Fresno. Yeah. The, uh, 
so this, yeah, to give you a little backstory on the issue, we follow um, this one character who is living her life in Fresno and suddenly and seems like not hyper aware or like super powered in any way, just like sort of pretty regular, cool, yeah, edgy. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly um, Thanos comes and takes her town looking for her specifically. The Avengers are there and they are trying to get or i guess they're not the avengers technically they're sort of the illuminati uh style uh, avengers and thanos is mad and he wants her and they are going to be standing in the way now what do you think her deal is it's, i don't know they don't maybe say. she's related to lady death or something because i know thanos had a thing for lady death Oh, that's interesting. Death, that's a great take because she sort of has her daughter uh, or something. Yeah. She's dressed a little bit like Death from the Sandman universe. A little goth, you know? That's interesting. My thought was she's um, the new star brand from our Earth, uh, which I thought could be cool. Uh, But I do like your your death guess is really smart. So um, maybe that's it. I made a smart guess. What you made a smart. You made one smart. Uh, I really one smart and go home. Thank you, Christopher. (laughs) You're out of here. Christopher Cantwell is great. He's written Thanos before, and it's good. We don't get a lot of time with our our mad god quite yet. It's mostly from yeah, not much anus yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a note you've given a lot, but we'll get we'll get it. Uh, We'll get the anus in there. Uh, let's move on uh, from that comment and talk about Fire and Ice. Welcome to Smallville number three from DC Comics, written by Joanne Starr, art by Natasha Bustos. Um, in this issue, we're continuing on with Fire and Ice, make it a bit of a mess as they uh, try to reestablish themselves on the mean streets of Smallville, uh, Kansas, a, a chill town where not much happens except in this issue, everything's happening. Yeah. Uh, Pete, uh-huh. this is filled with jokes. Did you like them? Yeah, this is fun madness. It's uh, silly but great. Art is fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Uh, good times, great art. Crazy ass last panel. I thought this was cool. I, I'm enjoying the team on this. They're doing a great job. I agree. I think this book's really found its footing in the as the the first three issues have gone on, like really balancing some fun jokes, fun character moments, real farce like energy of just yeah. like. In this issue, Jimmy Olsen's here. Let's make him – let's have him think this is cool. And they're running around trying to make their salon and the scam that Fire's been doing and all that make sense so they don't get exposed by the article he's writing about them. Wackiness ensues, and I mean that in a good way. Great collection of D-list heroes we have here. Ambush Bugs, a fun addition. Yeah. Uh, but the art is great as well. Uh, really fun, bright, light art, which matches yes. the tone. I it agree. has, yeah, it has like some nice just comedy, like back in uh, the art sort of reminds me a little bit of Hawkeye back in the day uh, from the Matt Fraction run with, um, is that David Aja who was on that? Uh, maybe I'm wrong there. But um, really nice. Yeah, but I, I, it has that essence, that kind of brightness, but fun kind of vibe to it. Yeah, and it, it makes for – and like I said, I think if you gave the first issue a shot and you weren't into it, um, I think it's worth coming back and giving yeah. this third issue a shot because it's uh, moving – it's making some nice moves uh, forward in a great way. Uh, let's move on. It is David Aja. I was right. Hey, all right. Hell yeah. Let's move on and talk about Army of Darkness Forever, number two from Dynamite Comics, written by our guy Tony Fleeks, art by Justin Greenwood. 
Um, in this, we are back with our guy, Ash, who is, um, you know, just trying to get by a little bit. We're dealing with uh, some timelines, some multiple timelines here. Sick yeah, beardage. I, yeah, I, I think it's fun, you know, because also Ash calls out like, hey, we're going to do a little uh, story jumping around in time. So, uh, you know, buckle up. So I love it, right? Just kind of calling it out, setting it up and leaning into it. Love the art, love the action and the humor ashes. You know, uh, he's got to go clean up a bathroom, but, uh, you know, all this other kind of madness ensues. So, yeah, I, I think it's uh, has a little bit of a kind of cool cartoony look to it, but it's really awesome. And it feels like it feels like a real sequel to Army of Darkness and yes. the world that they created there. Like definitely the fantasy elements seem real and fantastical how you want them uh, and uh, evil. While the ash in the real world is um, sad and embarrassing, as you might expect. So it's covering both sides of that. We're pushing into some new territory. I think this is a great read. If you're an Army of Darkness fan, Definitely worth picking up because yeah, it carries like the movie into comic book form in a fantastic way. Let's move on to Phantom Road number six from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Gabriel H. Walta. I have been loving this book. We, you know, we give Jeff Lemire a little bit of grief sometimes for having his books be a little spare and not having a ton of story to them. I feel like this is. One of my favorites, and he's been so prolific in the last couple of years. But if you're not picking up this one, it is so good. It's a great yeah. mystery. It's uh, scary. This is a, a one of the books I would love to see made into a movie or TV show no, just to see scary. it. No, it, but it, ha- it has the right tone. It's very cinematic and it has oh. the right tone of like still scariness. The mystery, we keep getting new different little elements of like what is going on, who are these sort of zombie people, what world are our two protagonists in, how do they relate to each other when they... Yeah, there's still a lot of questions. They're an odd couple. There's an X-Files element to it. And just real quick, I wanted to say that Gabriel Waltar is so good. It's so good. Yeah, and and that's the thing because you're like, oh, Jeff Lemire, sometimes he does both the writing and the art. Walter's art is just so amazing. You really kind of, you, it still feels like a Lumiere book without kind of like, but uh, feels a little different too, which is great. I, I, I just think that in this issue, here, we, things are getting creepy and more bloody. Uh, but something that Justin uh, said that the creepy stillness is yeah. so enjoyable. There are uh, these so kind good. of like panels where you're just like, what? It's just so unique. And very interesting. It's such a cool read. Uh, artistically impressive is how I would describe this book. It's really, it's a, it's very cool, but it creeps me the fuck out. So the idea of making it into a movie really, I, I would, uh, you yeah. couldn't pay me to see it. It's so scary. So. I guess the last thing I would say is just, Pete, tonight when you're closing your eyes and go to sleep, uh, just think about this you, right no. before you no, go to bed. No, no, so no. that you can... No. Just and, and just to be more specific, uh, think of like the the no. sort of zombie's I know, face. I know and the, what you're talking. No. The very I, thin, pale no, body. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. Stop. Just think about that right before bed. And right. how they, he would slowly walk up to you and then like reach for your neck or Stop. your face. Um, great. Amazing uh, Spider-Man number thirty-seven. Let's move on to a book of my choice, Amazing Spider-Man number 37 uh, from Marvel Comics, written by Zeb Wells, art by Ed McGinnis. Here we are following up on more 
Peter Parker uh, and uh, Rec Rap insanity. Uh, the limbo world is strong in the current Spider-Man ethos. We've got a a character called the Repo Man who is strange and is giving a lot of focus. Um, I, Pete, why don't you speak first on this? How do you okay, feel so about this? This is some rap here, and rap. Uh, uh, Ed McGinnis does such a great job, uh, drawing kind of like bigger, bulkier kind of uh, heroes With and teeth. villains, and so it's great to see him crushing this because, um, I love his art style. Like it, when he was on Red Hulk and Hulk and, and stuff like that was so good. And this feels and, like that. It does. It has that kind of cool, vibrant feel to it, which I really think. And Zeb Wells is, you know, um, this is a weird time in Spider-Man's life. And um, so, uh, yeah, instead of dealing with the madness of what's going on with Spider-Man, we're kind of dealing with the rap. And so... Uh, let's have a, let's have a little, uh, Rex rap, uh, break and, uh, yeah, why not? And, uh, Ed McGinnis is, uh, killing it. So, um, well, yeah. And, and Rec rap is, is this character that is like a, a limbo demon-y Spider-Man who has teeth and shows up and is a little bit like Bizarro, the Bizarro yeah. from DC Comics of Spider-Man. A little bit. So that's fun. I, my issue with like what's been going on in this main comic is it just feels like I'm like, what is important here? It, it's hard to tell what we're modulating and what where the story is going. And without a sort of spine of a story, it just feels like stuff's happening. It feels like the last few issues have been like fill-in issues. We spend a lot of time like talking about Mary Jane her being married, kids, all we, that. Yeah, I wish we wouldn't. I I like that, though, because there's some emotional heat there. And then we've just moved past all of that, and we're in this story where Spider-Man is like, what's happening? And I feel a little bit that same way. We're setting up this big story coming called Gang War, and we get a little bit of that here, where it's going to be like all the sort of mafia characters from the Spider-Man rogues gallery going to be fighting for. New York City Spidey is going to be in the middle. These issues just feel wild. Like, they're not bad by any means. They're just strange, and it's hard to tell where to look, is what I would say. But let's look at something different. And this is you should look at this because you want to make sure that you're not touching it and um, getting giving yourself a nasty rash. But of course, we're talking about Poison <laughs> Ivy number 16 from DC Comics, written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Marcio Takara. Uh, in this issue, we are sort of following up on everything that's come in these this 16 yeah, issue series so far uh yes that's uh the, you're talking about the movie well on the cover that's what it says it's the uh it's yeah the, yeah um, well and this is dealing with like poison ivy this series kicked off with poison ivy uh, traveling around um the country trip. on a road trip um infecting people with spores that would kill them uh, from the fungus, a lamia spore. And over the course of the 16 issues, she sort of has been like, eh, I shouldn't be just killing random people. But this issue is all about the consequences of that and the, how those consequences are affecting uh, regular people. And I love this. This was great just focusing in on some characters that we don't know, but telling their story in a way that has big ramifications for Poison Ivy. This feels very much like setting up for a big finale story about 
Poison Ivy and what this comic has been putting out there. This has been one of our favorites, I think, for the entire run. Pete, how did you feel? Yeah, this is just awesome. I mean, first off, it's a creepy-ass cover, uh, but this is a banger-ish, another banger-ish. G. Willow Wilson is absolutely killing it. The art is just super creepy-ass bananas in a fungusy zombie kind of way. But I just love the art so much. It's just uh, every time I saw this in the stack, I was like, man, I can't wait to see what kind of crazy looking panels we're getting. And it's always been impressive. Um, but man, I love this. Uh, I I feel like this whole run has been such a cool exp- uh, exploration of points and Ivy in a way where they're not really kind of tied to anybody, but kind of bouncing around in this kind of road trip of madness. So I loved how kind of tripped out it's been and, and kind of uh, the yeah. story that's woven. But, uh, you know, poor Chuck in this one, really, uh, you know. Poor Chuck. Yeah. No but, luck, Chuck. Uh, yeah. Uh, great ish, though. Definitely worth checking out. Great ish. Every, every issue of this book has been excellent, even the ones that were part of the crossover where they didn't really have to do that, but they still found a way to make them work. Check out all of them. Uh, but let's move on to Nights Number 2 from Image Comics, written by Wyatt Kennedy, art by Luigi Formisano. Luigi. What are we talking about? Weege. We got Weege here. Uh, the first issue of this, I think we talked about it as like, this book is wild, cramming a lot of ideas together, but it really works and it has a nice cohesive uh, tone to it. And I think that continues into this issue. Um, our main character is in love with a vampire, mm-hmm. uh, trying to figure out just work and life. Hang makes friends with a, a star-nosed mole. Yep, is that yep, uh, maybe yep. the animal we're talking about? Which yeah. is just a fun, there's no explanation really given to why, but they talk, they get into their lives, it's really fun. I love the ghost character and yeah. all the stuff that's happening. This is one of those books that's written so confidently, it doesn't make me question all the crazy choices. And so I don't, and I like it. How do you feel? Yeah, this is just amazing trip down animals and creatures in this creative, fun as shit way. I absolutely love it. It's kind of gross and beautiful and all the things in between. Yeah, I love the way it moved. I love the space it gave to characters, big and small. I just felt like uh, I was in such great hands in this book as far as yes, story that's and t- exactly. telling perspective. Um it was just really impressive from start to finish. Um, I was just like, wow, what a read. This is just such a cool-ass comic book and so well done artistically and and story-wise. So it we don't really know everything that's going on, but it's, it's it doesn't matter yet. It's, it's a great jam sesh. Yeah. If you're looking for a fresh type of comic storytelling, I would check out Knights number two and number one first. Do number one first. Yeah. That's my <laughs> advice. Guards of the Galaxy number eight, which is the eighth one from starting from one from Marvel Comics, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, art by Kev Walker. Uh, in this issue, we are the Guardians ha- are living in Groot. They're living in a big old Groot. Uh, living that Groot life. They're living that Groot life. The um, ramifications of Groot fall have sort of come through. They're definitely continuing on with a big Groot-focused story. But in this issue, I feel like the team – I really like Kelly and Lansing as writers. 
I think the art here is great. Let me just say that. I like the different character designs we've gotten from our Guardians. Um, it's really cool. Great storytelling from an art perspective. Kelly and Lansing in this story have been very coy with what's happening. Part of the story was like a Western feel, A. B, we don't know what's happening really with these characters. We're just watching them. And I feel like now that we've gotten past sort of the first arc, we're in a place where I'm like, I know enough about what's happening that I can like this story. I like the changes that have happened. Uh, it feels like the Western energy doesn't feel as Serenity-esque here anymore. It feels like it actually is a Guardian story when before it felt a little too close to that. And I like the uh, setup for next issue about Mantis. I'm excited for that. Yeah, uh, Mantis kills it in this episode. I love the comings and goings of Mantis. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of crazy. Uh, everything that's going down in this Guardians of the Galaxy issue, they've kind of all died and now are grudified. And it's a they very, got grooted. Yeah, it's a very interesting kind of idea. They have these kind of green versions of the character. And now they're just trying to spread Groot throughout the universe, which I don't know if it's a good idea or not, but man. Too many Groots? Well, you can you can take a character that you love and then you can go too hard on it. And I think you can over Groot it a little bit. And I think they're kind of having some fun leaning into that idea. Well, I mean, I do think that is something that happens a lot in comics, where after a while, a team or a character has been written, it's like, let's make a crazy mythology for this character. We talked about the Blue Beetle, Green Lantern, all that stuff where you're trying to expand the mythology. And for this, it's really powered up Groot in this storyline. And that no Groot's not even in this storyline. Well, he's in it in that they're all riding around in him. Yeah, yeah. If you were riding around in me or if you had like a family member who was a golf cart, like I don't think, you know, I th- I, we'd, uh, they'd always be around if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, hypothetically. Sure. Hypothetically exactly. speaking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Groot's there. I just feel like what is the – where is this going in a larger sense for Groot? Because I don't need the rest of the Marvel universe being like, well, now there's – everything's Groot. I you got to have a Groot everywhere or whatever yeah uh so we'll see that's not it's a very interesting creative place to be on a a team that's been for around for a long time so that's very cool that we can get to such a different place yeah exactly uh let's talk about shazam number five from dc comics by mark wade art by your guy dan mora pete how do you feel about shazam well yeah, I, I love this. Uh, I think this is uh, cool. I mean, spoilers, but Freddy's trying to, uh, t- you know, take his powers, and then there's kind of a twist at the end. Uh, I think this is a, a very enjoyable comic. I love, love, love the art. Um, just really impressive. Story is good, and I want it to uh, continue, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen next. The Dan Mora art is fantastic. Uh, Dan Mora, of course, um, famous for, I believe the title of the book was This Old Lady's a Badass uh, for Pete LePage. Uh, The Dan Mora. Badass older ladies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But that's where we first uh, sort of saw Dan Mora's art. Uh, Maybe not the first time, but the, the most recently. And this, his art's gotten even better. It's so good. He draws Mary Marvel with such like great 
energy. This book is simul, and Mark Wade is his writing is supporting this as well. Is simultaneously full of like youth and innocence for these characters, which is perfect. Even the gods that we see here, while at the same time telling this epic, serious mythological stories uh, and huge action um, simultaneously, and that that's not easy. So that's why having two masters at work here is great. Shazam's never been my favorite thing. But this is just really good storytelling. Yeah, you know? Yeah. You know, it's special. Just like our next book, the Hollywood special, number three. I'll uh, have the Hollywood special, please. Oh, coming right up. From IDW, written by Jeremy Lambert, art by Claire Rowe. Uh, we've been following this story where a, um, a couple actors are crossing the country via train, which was a great way to travel back in the day, even now. Even now, I was going to say, I love a train. I I love love a train. train. Uh, We're following. They're hard drinkers. They're dealing. They're not great at dealing with their problems. In this, we get into the uh, sort of the the mind of one of the actors uh, who we learn a lot about the things she's given up for her career, her family, and see some really horrifying stuff. Really uh, horrifying. Like I said nope out loud a bunch of times while reading this. And closed it and walked away, and then I had to come back. No, thank you for coming back. Well, then, just a little more backstory: their train pulls into a town where there's been a mining accident, and they get out and get caught up in Never something evil. Stay on the fucking train. You know? No, it's fine to get off and explore a mining accident. I, anytime I'm driving, I, I past, don't think so. I don't think if I a see idea. a big cave and I'm driving, I'm like, I'm gonna go explore this in case there's a mining accident. You know, yeah. I love I to explore. All right. First off, so like the the whole kid with his neck snapped thing was so gross and so creepy. First off, like creepy yeah. kids and horror things freak me the fuck out anyway. But that whole mm. neck thing was like such a uh, holy fuck. Check shit. your neck. <laughs> you would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just think that like, I liked when the monster ordered the Hollywood special off the menu and that was a fun kind of like, this is the title of the comic moment. And I think it's very creepy, uh, but it's also very creative. Um, uh, it's just hard for me uh, horror wise to enjoy this you know, as much as Pete doesn't like horror. He's scared. He's scared yep. right now. Uh, this is part of Scott Snyder's dark spaces imprint from IDW and man, it's been really good. I feel like we're getting a lot of great stories here. This one's, I, I really enjoy this as well. Uh, good art, uh, good horror, always order the Hollywood special and be careful what you order. Cause it might just be a monster made out of your eggs and, uh, Oh my God. Yeah. That the eggs that look like eyeballs. Oh, go fuck yourself, man. You'll that's never true. look at over easy uh, eggs again, Pete. Oh man. I don't like over easy to begin with. And that's really why. What are you, what are you? Scrambled, You're sunny side up scrambled. Yeah. Grow up. No. So never. you only get scrambled. Don't tell someone who collects and reads comic books to grow up. You fucking asshole. Grow up in a, I mean, specifically with your eggs. No. Grow up and get an egg that'll There's flip not, where you can see the yolk. No, I don't want any of that runny Dip a shit. yolk. No, kill it all in the thing, mix it all up, and give me that yellow fluffiness. No, man. You need your breakfast no made into a face. Uh, you need like gross. a egg, hair, toast, no. eyes, and a bacon smile. That's how no you way. eat your breakfast. I don't, want, I don't want a fucking Benedict. I don't want no runny bullshit. Scramble that fucking shit up, man. Put a hot sauce on it, and that's how you're supposed to eat eggs. 
Yeah, exactly. Of course, everything's a garbage play in the making for you. Uh, let's talk Star Signs number six from Image Comics, written by Saladin uh, Ahmed, art by hey, Megan Levins. <laughs> uh, art by Megan Levins. Um, this is a story about a world where the stars go away. In a world. And- and when they do, uh, a, a handful of people are given superpowers. It's a mythological situation that seems to have happened before and is continuing to happen. Uh, this, it, it, the characters are like, I like what's happening here. These people are on the run. They're trying to figure out what's happening to them. They're dealing with the larger powers. As we learn in this issue, someone is um, trying to take power from them. By doing something um, not nice, let me say. Yeah. Uh, Pete, how do you feel about this? Well, I think this is a very kind of creative and cool book. I like how unique and interesting it is. I love the character designs, the art. There's a sno- softness to the art, which is cool. Um, you know, it's it's a cool idea of like, you know, you know that person who's like really too into star signs a little bit, you know what I mean? But yeah, what, a lot of people. Powers, you know, that came along with it. So fun, fun reveal. Uh, I also like speaking of fun reveals that kind of dude with the animal powers in the park. That was a cool moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fun. What happens if you smoke weed in a park and just hang out and wait for people to walk up to you? You know what I mean? Yeah. You think that's what it is? Yeah. Uh, the the thing with this book is it's good. It's just very close to the Wicked and the Divine, Kieran B- yeah, Gillen's sure, book sure. about um, a similar situation. So I'm hoping we find a little bit more differentiation. I think it's well done. The will, art is yeah. good. The characters are like I like them. It just feels so close to that, almost down to some of the ways the characters look. So I would like if we found some more differentiation there. I think as the story goes on, it will happen. Deaf. Let's talk Uncanny Spider-Man number three from Marvel Comics, written by Cy Spurrier, art by Javier Pina. We we got this Nightcrawler guy, and he yeah. is the best Spider-Man? Question mark. Uh, Kurt B. Fucking is uh, what the title of this comic should be. You know what I mean? And you know he's he's getting with my my girl Silver yeah. Sable. Yeah. So yeah, you that, know I'm tough. At. There was even a whole. There was words in there about Silver Sable. You know what I mean? I yeah. assume that was about how great she is a character. And how, like, oh, you mean the, the text pages. Like, Pete, not a huge yeah. fan of the text pages. Yeah, I'm not going to fucking read a book while a comic is going on. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't know if you saw comic. Did you, I thought of you, Pete, um, on SNL, was it last week? Nate Bergazzi, the stand-up hosted. Yeah, yeah. And he, in his monologue, he had a bit about like how, like, here I am reading a book. <laughs> Put some blank pages in there. I'm already Give underwater. <laughs> Give me a break. I'm underwater with all these words. I thought of you, and I thought it was very, very funny. Yeah, he's he's yeah. very funny. Great he joke, is. writer. Uh, but we're talking about um, Uncanny Spider-Man right here. Yeah. The uh, I, I think this is great. It's Cy Spurrier is so good at just like being a little weird and telling us like interesting stories featuring our mainstream characters. And this romance between Nightcrawler and Silver Sable is so sweet. I like that it's, like, dangerous. It feels like if you're, like, missing the Bat-Cat relationship over from DC Comics, this has that vibe. So uh, I think come check that out. I would like see yeah, a ton more of fucking. this. If you're into late-night roof fucking, then... It, you, you know, that's why I live in New York. You can't do that in the country. <laughs> you can't do late-night roof fucking in the country because you're... 
your rooms are angled because of the snow where I'm from. <laughs> you got to come to New York for late night roof fucking. You sure do. And that's where it happens. Gotham City in New York. Uh, but this book is great. Definitely one of my favorites in the Fall of X uh, era that we're in right now. And if you're a Spider-Man fan who's been missing uh, some classic Spidey tales, I would say pick this up. Yeah. Shout out to Cy. Killing the game. Cy! Uh, this is, here comes a book that, uh, Pete, I know you want to talk about. The Joker. The Man Who Stopped Laughing, Bergie. number 12, from DC Comics, written by, um, we can just call him Bergie now. He doesn't like to go by his full name, right? Yeah, fully yeah. anymore I, I don't think we even need to say the full name yeah we would never say his name matthew rosenberg art by uh carmen Bergen. d gian domenico in this issue we're bringing to a close uh an epic year-long story that i think has a bit redefined the joker we get a little bit of this in the other continuity in the batman issue we talked about which i thought was great uh we get some of the other batman stuff affecting this issue with Red Hood, um, who we have an update from in here. Uh, Pete, talk it up. Well, this has just been uh, kind of exploring this idea of two Jokers, right? And um, it's been really kind of crazy and what's going on. And so I felt like they did a great job of wrapping this kind of up in an interesting way that gets you excited for more because hopefully DC is going to have Bergie back because... I want to see this story continue for sure. Um, just really impressive the choices being made in this book, all the kind of moves. When you have read comics for as long as we have, sometimes you're not surprised anymore. But I was just like, there was a lot of like, oh shit moments in here that I was just like, God damn, this is fun. I'm having a blast with this. And uh, yeah, and can't say enough about the cool ass art. It's just got kind of like a young kind of, badass kind of vibe to it that I really think works great for the Joker. Um, yeah, I just I can't say enough cool things. You, you should read this whole fucking thing. It's great from start to finish. There's so much great humor in here. Bergy is a fucking master, and it's great to see him killing it. Our guy Bergy is really setting up as the Joker scribe. Like, it's yeah. very fun, like you're saying, Pete. It it's joke heavy, like the Joker gets to be crazy in, yeah. but in a way that isn't just meant to be horrifying. It's fun also. Yeah, I love the, whole, the way like L.A. versus New York. It starts off with, uh, you yeah, know, way back in issue one or two was just hysterical. And I love the the point where sort of the, the two Jokers that we are dealing with here. The point is like, why does it matter? They're both psychopaths what who cares which one and i really love the way the issue ended i thought was so funny and smart yeah sometimes when you have kind of crazy meeting crazy it gets weird fast and then you're like what are we doing but uh it almost hit that tipping point and then kind of made a fucking bold choice so that's right crazy meets crazy the lepage family reunion we've all been there and uh i can't wait to get the invite again i'm gonna make my potato salad um, it, as, especially in the future as we enter midlife or how Better. to hero at 50 number two uh, from nice. image comics uh nice written by brian uh Busoletto, art by stefano Semione. in this we are continuing on with a a character who a guy who has lived his life sort of in fear but realizes that as he confronts that fear he is he has superpowers more fire more fire in comic books here in this issue 
yeah, this guy kind of realizes he has fire-resistant powers, which is a thing, which is cool. And then he's got like a cool old gold mask kind of helmet thing that old he wears. Old gold. It's old gold. And it kind of reminds me of the Helmet of Fate a little bit. Um, mm, Dr. Fate. Yeah, I really love the art. St- uh, art style has a fun feel to it. I enjoy. I'm enjoying this comic with each issue more and more. I like what it's building on, what it's kind of creating. So I'm getting more and more into this world and liking it. And maybe that's just because I'm getting older. But uh, yeah, this is this is cool. Yeah, this has a uh, unbreakable vibe to it in yes. in a really nice way. Uh, it's very fun. Good friendships here, some nice family stuff, and then a little bit of a mystery unfolding. Uh, it is interesting. We've had – this is the second sort of like I'm uh, a fire firefighter, fire-based comic in the stack. I guess that's just in the air. But this is a fun – this is the more fun. The other – Charter Remains was more of a uh, dark exploration mystery. Yeah. This is sort of a, a fun superhero side of it with a little bit of mystery as well. Yeah, I agree. And if you're going to fucking uh, make your uh, potato salad, just make sure you put some seasoning on it, all right? Well, you know what I mean? Don't you dare. If anything, I'm over-seasoning. Okay. Uh, like you're getting the old bay on top, even if you wanted it. Nice, dude. That's what I'm talking about, bro. Come on. Uh, X-Force number 46 from Marvel Comics from by if Benjamin Percy. you don't know Percy. what old bay is, you need to fucking start living your life a little bit differently, all right? Yeah, you need to get more salt in your body than a that definitely wants, because <laughs> that's where your old Bay lifestyle. Uh, X-Force number 46 from Marvel, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Robert Gill. This bring you to a close, this saga of, of uh, Piotr Rasputin and his brother and their battle to be in charge of uh, a body and all of X-Force. Uh, Domino with her wooden arm and all these other uh, characters that are in their own strange places in a strange dimension, fighting a battle to just get back to Earth. Doctor Strange is involved as the portal spinner in his in his way. This this book is crazy. It has a lot of just wild sci fi elements thrown together. But man, it came together really well. And there the text pages in this book I thought were great. Sort of this character who's been writing uh throughout this arc. He's the one who's like sort of controlling the story in a way. And we get to he- see his actual pages here. I thought were really cool, really like them. It feels like we're entering a new status quo for this X Force team, a book that maintains its status quo despite fall of X while still including elements. Um, I've uh, enjoyed this. Yeah. I, I hate to pull a Zalbatron here, but I really love the second half when Deadpool shows up and no, uh, you liked uh, it more when Deadpool was there. Okay. Well, I just felt like at that point when he showed up on, like it really did a great job ending, like landing the ship at the end. I thought I just felt like, the second half of it was cleaner, made a lot more sense, was fun, enjoyable. Uh, you know, Colossus ripping hearts out, uh, little dudes crawling out of dead people. I mean, what the fuck is going on? But yeah. uh, I thought, like, the ending was really cool, and they did a good job of kind of, like, cleaning up the madness and kind of bringing the ship to a 
nice landing. You know what I mean? Maybe where some simpler people clap when they land and it's like, okay, great, we were alive. You know what I mean? We are coming in for a nice landing. Colossus is pulling the heart out of his brother's chest. And that's the end of this flight and podcast. Please enjoy New York City. And please also enjoy Dead Lucky Number 10 from Image Comics, written by Melissa Flores, art by French Carlo Magno. Uh, This continuing the story of uh, From the Massive Verse, one of the, uh, I guess, fringier characters from the Massive Verse set in San Francisco. This uh, former vet has the ghosts of people she served with, maybe, who are uh, in her tech, haunting her as she fights to save San Francisco from this mega corporation. This has been one of my uh, more favorite Massive Verse stories going forward for a long time, but this one feels, it's starting to be a little wobbly. I don't quite know what's happening as much anymore, so it's a little tricky to follow, but I really love the premise, and I like the characters. I like our main character and sort of this relationship she has with the guy she just found reconnected with. So I want to see how this next these next couple issues shape up. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I also really love the art. The art is almost like a cool animation style. It's very sleek, very cool looking. I love how clean it is. Uh, I, I, I'm also the character designs are amazing. I love the characters in this book. Like JT Sizzle was saying, this one is a little bit of a wobbly ish, but I love the series, so I'm willing to roll with it to kind of see where it's going. But I was a little kind of like, well, what are we doing? Uh, what are we doing? We're doing Dark Ride number nine from Image Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Andre Bresson. This is my guy. Uh, this, this book, team. this it's book, this team. team from Birthright, one of my favorite comics in the last decade. Uh, this about a evil amusement park, uh, perhaps, and the evil family or the evil seed of that is in this family that started the whole thing. We keep going back and forth between just how supernatural this book is. It's it's quite a line to tread. This um, issue focuses on um, Halloween. Halloween. There's a not there's the a, event, the person, but the person, person, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a brother sister uh, duo who have taken over the park from their dad, who lives in the bowels of it. We see a lot of her here, and her maybe becoming the villain. Yeah, here. she kind of um, loses it on a super fan. On and, a super uh, fan who is creepy and maybe deserves a little bit of rebuke. Um, yeah. But big reveal at the end of this issue, and. Uh, this is just a fun, very specific uh, comic set in this this world of amusement parks and evil, like a Disney if it was focused on uh, Satan, and uh, it's very fun. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people would say uh, Disney is focused on Satan, but I, I think that this uh, story artistically is amazing. Um, it's kind of this cute, adorable kind of art with all this horrible, evil chaos going on. Yeah, we see Halloween kind of losing it a little bit and then kind of reveals to her brother, like, hey, uh, dipshit, our dad sold our souls. So uh, very interesting. I'm uh, interested to see how this wraps up, but this is also way too fucking creepy for me. Nice. A lot of books this week, too creepy for Pete. Right on the heels of Halloween. Pete's favorite. See, here's the thing with Halloween, Pete. It's scary stuff, but it's also candy. How do you yeah, find a, that line? It's a real, yeah, it's tough. Must you know be confusing I mean? for you. 
Yeah. Uh, let, let's talk X-Men Red, number 17, from Marvel Comics, written by Al Ewing, art by uh, Yildere Sinar. This focusing on uh, Arako, we got Apocalypse, Storm trying to fight a war, given the choice of pressing a button that would basically kill everyone on the other side, committing some sort of horrible war crime. That's what yeah, she's we- struggling with here. Apocalypse shows up. We get some interesting uh, mutant characters, Sunfire, a couple others, the uh, Gabriel Summers, the sort of evil Summers brother, I guess you could say. Every or, Summers it, brother is evil. Yep, Summer, everyone has yeah. a take. Ah, big ah! big storm issue here. Yeah. Um, it, it, I was ta- sort of down on this book a little bit because it was so dense and dealing with characters that are, aren't really part of the center of Fall of X or the X-Men universe in any way. But uh, this issue was like, oh, it's like reading the Bible, but a little bit cooler. Wow. I don't know if I would ever say that. Um, yeah, I, I just think that like the art style also uh, is really amazing, especially in this issue. There's kind of like these panels where it almost feels like old stool, kind of like Silver Age comic, um, kind of a Kirby-esque. Uh, that was moments. cool. Agreed. Yeah, that was really great. Um, but shit's weird in this issue. Um you know, there's a island that gets up and walks away, and I was like, "All right, here we go with the fucking island fucking again." Like we we gotta leave islands alone. I don't know island not going. fucking island fighting. Yeah, well, yeah, you know. Anyways, um, yeah, storm is the key to apocalypse's plan here, and it feels very kind of epic as far as apocalyptic evil plan here. Uh, it's a, a real dick to his kid, though, which I didn't, I didn't appreciate. You know what I mean? It was. Well, uh, I mean, he, he I bet he's not a great walks dad. by him. He's like, "Father," and he's like, "Oh, this is what you're doing with your life." He's like, "Yeah, Dad, I'm really into this scene right now." He's like, "Whatever, son. I'm power walking as I'm uh, kind of conducting yeah. an evil plan." I was like, "Jesus, apocalypse!" I mean, I know you're a villain, but come on, dude. Not a great dad. You know, I'd rather have a golf just... cart as a dad, honestly. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, talk House of Slaughter, number 19, from Boom Studios, written by Sam Johns, art by Letizia Cadenici. Uh, this uh, this arc has been interesting. Like, I love House of Slaughter. Uh, I know watch your mouth. Something's Killing the Children, one of your favorite books, Pete. Yeah. I know that for a fact. I enjoy that book, but I've been more of a House of Slaughter guy. I like the deeper dives into the mythology and sort of the – Spotlighting different characters, feel like more story happens, and in this issue, a ton of story happens. Uh, it's scary. It's I've been liking the story, the Alabaster story, folk, focusing on this uh, new character named Bait because he doesn't have arms, and um, how he the complicated position he's in, living in this house, trying to protect the people and solve the mystery of how these monsters are attacking. I, I really have been enjoying this. Uh, yeah, I mean, spoilers, but uh, I'm really worried about bait at the end of this issue here. Yeah, like a lot of bait, in trouble. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so I agree. This has been uh, just an awesome, absolutely great comic to kind of explore, do a deeper dive on the characters we know and love, and also shed some light on some new characters. Art is absolutely fan-fucking-tastic. I love the kind of like almost like light pencil kind of look it has to it in, in a certain way and the way the kind of action and movement is portrayed. I really love it. Mm. Um, yeah, I uh, 
God, yeah, I'm just w- worried about bait and how that's all going to unravel. But man, it's a it's a banger ish, banger ish. And let's wrap up a banger ep of the stack with Creepshow Volume Two, Number Three from Image Comics, written by Zoe Thurgood and Joel Farrelly, uh, art by Zoe Thurgood and Goran Suzuki, Suzuka. Uh, this the two the Creepshow has been great, giving us two sort of. Uh, crypt keeper like stories of horrifying things that people are doing to other people or different situations. The, the second story I thought was fun, interesting, dealing with uh, sort of a, a monster, a thieves encountering a situation where they could make a monster appear, whether they can get away or not. I thought was cool, well drawn, but this Zoe Thorogood story at the front was yes. fantastic. Worth it for the price alone. Definitely yeah. pick up Baseball's this art too. Great art. Uh, Zoe Thorogood, uh, who we know from a lot of work, but uh, Rain, I believe, was the one with yep. the yep. Uh, the limited series that Joe Hill, from, based on a Joe Hill short story. If you haven't read that, definitely go check that out. But man, this story was great about uh, someone who has uh, the gift slash curse of living forever and just... Just great. Yeah. I, I Just super uh, cool collection of stories here. Uh, you get two um, in this uh, fantastic uh, creep show volume two. So, um, I, yeah, I just uh, – everything Justin said uh, plus uh, just a tip of the hat uh, to the artists uh, and uh, their amazing work. Tip of the hat to you for listening to this episode of The Stack because it is over, folks. That's a lot of great comics. Please go check them all out. Uh, Please continue to check us out. We do a million different podcasts. Scott Pilgrim Pilgrim versus the podcast, setting up, uh, covering the books and the movie and video game coming soon before we get to the series. Uh, Comic Book Club News every day, every weekday, brand new news. Don't forget about the Doom Room. Jump into the Doom Room. The Doom Room closing up our love of of Doom Patrol. Uh, as that series comes to a close, uh, Marvel Vision, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash comic book club. Subscribe on uh, all the places you listen to comic, bo- or to comic book club and podcasts in general. Follow us on Twitter at comic book live, comic book club, club live on Instagram, TikTok, comic book club live.com for all of these podcasts. If you can't find them, uh, Pete, that's all we got. Go get 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 out of here. Go, go to the family reunion. I'll be there. I'm gonna. I'm riding your dad to the family reunion with my potato salad. That's a, that's really weird, man. You got that right. Later. So grab your